Welcome to the Principles of Success, interviewing the experts. And today's book review slash interview is with Scott Savage and his and his book, Strikingly Different Selling, Six Vital Skills to Stand Out and Sell More. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So, first off, welcome to Scott. And uh, I am really glad to have him on here because we've been talking about business uh, and how to be successful financially this year. And one of the key skills in being successful in business is selling. So I actually haven't recorded those selling episodes yet, but we get to talk about a good sales book in the meantime. So Scott, um, can you kind of just tell the story real quick, the story of how you got to where you are professionally? Sure, Nathan, uh, it's great to be on today uh, with you and your listeners. Uh, this is one of my favorite topics of all time. I, I mean, I really, I've been selling for the last 38 years uh, and have had the privilege of working with some of the largest organizations in the world, technology and consulting and products companies. I spend most of my time, about a third of my time in the U.S., uh, North America and Canada, and a third in Middle East and Europe, and another third in Asia. Um, we have uh, just the privilege of working with uh, tens of thousands of sellers around the world, selling all kinds of shapes and sizes and size of deals. And so it's um, uh, this work is a culmination of that, uh, along with my three partners and uh, our in our collective experience here at Franklin Covey. We have a, a sales performance practice that's all built around increasing sales and the growth of people's companies. And so for me, uh, it's been an interesting journey. I started as a young boy. I had a paper route and we collected there. And I even got uh, roped into uh, selling greeting cards, I think, to make a little extra cash when I was a boy. Um, all of those are pretty obsolete anymore in today's market. But I did in uh, college uh, jump into a summer sales program. I was a division one swimmer in the NCAA and um, you can't have a scholarship. In those days, you couldn't have a scholarship and get paid. Uh, and so I spent my summer selling and uh, I sold educational products. I've done a lot of different things over those years. In fact, Nathan, I actually made more money in my summers uh, of my undergrad than I made in my first contract coming out of grad school. Uh, <laughs> it's just that good. It's that good, that lucrative. And we just had some wonderful products. And from there, I jumped into uh, more of a, a corporate sale, working with large organizations and governments around the world. About a third of my work is, is uh, selling to you know, uh, departments of, uh, within the US government or even out into um, some of the other governments around the world and helping our clients do that. So. It's, it's been quite a journey and a lot of fun. And uh, to me, as you said, selling is one of the most important things, whether you do it as a job or you're just influencing people 
within your own organization or your own customers. It's all about how do you stand out so that they can see value in what you do. Yep. And it goes beyond job as well. You have to sell yourself to your wife. I'm still working on that particular aspect. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I, that, may be my, that may be my best close ever. <laughs> uh, my wife said yes. And uh, it's been an incredible 40-year marriage on our part. So uh, it's worth the journey. And I'm always selling. Yep. So um, what about the sales as a career that really stuck out to you that you really enjoyed about sales? I think one of the things that happened to me soon after grad school, I'll never forget, I was, um, I joined uh, uh, Franklin Covey and uh, one of my top clients was uh, PepsiCo. And I remember flying out to Summers, New York, flying into LaGuardia and it was one of my first big uh, opportunities with a, with a client. It's what we all dream uh, for when we come out of MBA school. And I, I remember grinning, you know, jumping into a rental car and just I, everything about this whole trip was just mesmerizing for me. And, uh, and I remember walking into their, head, their headquarters for Pepsi and, you know, uh, the stock market ticker tape coming across the screen, the Wall Street Journal out in front of everyone as they were walking in in the morning. And uh, I just love working with clients. What are their needs? What do they really need and want? What's going on? What's going great? What's not? Where are they headed? And I'll never forget that day of working with those senior leaders, finding out what needed to change in their in their. Uh, their particular parts of the business. And it leaped into a, about a six year contract and opportunity together uh, with one of just one of the best companies in the world. And uh, I'll never forget driving back to LaGuardia and uh, uh, calling a couple of colleagues, just excited about uh, finally getting out of the blocks, coming out of school and having something you can sink your teeth into that was for real. And uh, that really mattered. And from that point onward, I, I absolutely love making client visits and spending time with people and helping them succeed. That's actually, so a different sales book, I learned this from a sales book that was written back in like the 60s. And he says, the mo one of the most important things to do in sales is actually being in front of people, <laughs> like enjoying your time with people. And so that's a super important. And you just mentioned that. So I thought that was cool. Well, I remember a, a, an early book long ago, Zig Ziglar uh, used to tell all the time, if you can help enough people succeed, you'll always be successful. And I've always believed that it's in kind of in my heart and soul that my success is tied to their success. In fact, um, much of the work we do at Franklin Covey, we call it helping clients succeed. So our focus and intent is always on them. What do they need and want? How do we help them get that? And if we can get that, then we're both successful. And I, I just, I love your thought there, Nathan. I think you're spot on. Well, thank you. So how did you get started into um, teaching sales instead of just being a salesman? Well, I was, uh, I was leading some of our big accounts at Franklin Covey, uh, loving life. Uh, I was running our work in Canada and uh, as a GM there, and uh, things were going quite well. And what happened, the short story is, we started selling as teams. 
And when you start to move from really successful individual sellers and then start to move more into bigger deals, bigger team environments, you needed some common uh, platforms. You needed common approaches. It's not that anyone was not doing well. It was how do you bring some common language methodology and so forth. So we actually went out into the marketplace looking for um, different organizations that were teaching sales. And uh, one of our clients actually said to us, if you're serious about that, there's one individual you should talk to. His name's Mahan Khalsa. And we said, is that a company? They said, no, it's just a person. You should, you should meet with them if you're, if you're thinking about it. And we did. And he was phenomenal. He did the very things in his own process that we were hoping that our own teams could do. And so we hired him. We worked with him for a year or so. And then we actually put an offer out and bought his company. And uh, so Mahan joined us. And uh, I remember him reaching out to me saying, listen, I need to build a practice here, Scott. Would you be interested in coming over and working together with me and, and build a sales practice? I've got a number of uh, good opportunities ahead of us. And so that uh, happened 23 years ago. And uh, since that time, I, I usually put about 400,000 miles a year in the air yeah. and uh, about 45 weeks a, a year working with our customers. And it's just been, it's been a blast. Very nice. Speaking of putting in all those miles, where's the, um, where's one of the prettiest places that you've ever seen? Wow. Uh, listen, uh, you know what makes things uh, pretty or beautiful are people. And uh, I, it's hard for me to go anywhere in the world where I don't find amazing people that I just love to relate to. So it's hard, it's hard to pinpoint but I got to tell you, from a people standpoint, uh, working uh, in India, for instance, working amongst that culture is incredible. They're so client centric. It's, it's just they're well educated, client centric. It's really fun. Uh, I, it's hard to beat in the winter here in the U.S. to fly to Sydney, Australia and have yes. the summer. <laughs> it's absolutely fabulous. Yeah. I love Asia. I love Beijing or Shanghai. Love Hong Kong. Uh, sometimes getting out to Tokyo and maybe just Kuala Lumpur. Those are beautiful. In Europe, who doesn't love Paris or Rome or, you know, maybe Munich, Germany. Uh, one of my favorite places in the world because I have some, some family uh, uh, roots is uh, out in London. Uh, those are great. And of course, the, you know, some of the great cities here in the States. So uh, they, they're just beautiful. And I think they're beautiful because of the people. Well, that was a pretty good answer. <laughs> okay, so let's shift topics and go into the actual book itself. So in the title, it says there are six vital skills to stand out. And there's basically six vital skills in the book. Uh, so the first skill is number one, capture attention with verbal billboards. So what is a verbal billboard? Well, I'll tell you what, let's just, let me just give you a little bit of a high level view of where these came from. And, uh, and as I do so, I just hit uh, at a high level what each one of them is about. Basically, to answer your question, a verbal billboard is our ability to put the main message for our client, whatever it is. Whatever it is that we're trying to help them do, what are we moving from and to? And put that like it is in a billboard as you drive down a, uh, 
you know, a freeway or as you're in a train station, what's the main idea? And the principle is how do you capture attention? Where this came from is I was with a, a, a team, a sales team meeting with one of the one of the most experienced CFOs that I've, uh, that I've ever worked with. And in the middle of the meeting, they'd had a really good meeting. The CFO turned to him and said, wow, this has been great. I love what you're sharing with me. Could you help me out? Sum this up, sum it up. What's the big idea here? What do you want me to take away from this meeting? And these were some of the best sales skill uh, people that I know, and they had a hard time. In fact, after that, I noticed as I watched uh, several meetings, I noticed how difficult this was for people at any stage of the sales cycle, whether it's at the beginning, the middle, the end, people had a hard time just making it concise and simple and easy to understand and also make it relevant to the client. And so the verbal billboard idea is what's your main message, be able to say it tight and concise and speak in headlines to make that work. So that, that's the genesis of where that originally came from. But I'll give you a little more background. Over the last six years, I've had the privilege of being a part of uh, 1,689 meetings, client meetings. I uh, worked with 2,800 different sales consultants from around the world in all kinds of different environments. Um, we worked in 17 different industry groups and had the privilege of even participating in an additional 428 closing meetings. So as you take a look at that large subset, uh, all of these skills came from that experience. And to sum it up, it's this. What we found was, is that we had the privilege of interviewing the salespeople as well as the customer or the client. So at the end of the meeting, we'd say, so what'd you think salespeople? How'd you think that went? Whether it was one person or a team. And they typically would say, hey, it was a pretty good meeting. You know, no one's expecting perfection, but I thought it was a pretty good meeting. I think they like our value proposition. I think they like uh, our points of view. Some, you know, towards the end of the sales cycle, I think they like how we're different than our competitors. And I think they're gonna buy from us. As you turn to the customer, uh, so, you know, it's pretty much thumbs up from the salespeople. When you get to the, to the customer or the client, we'd say, how did you think that went? And over 70% of the time, Nathan, they said, that was a waste of my time. <laughs> now that's crazy, huh? And these are some of the best technology, best consulting products companies in the world, arguably some of the very best salespeople. And it's not that they're failing. It's not like, you know, this was a complete waste of time because as I pushed on the clients, they would say, well, what I mean by that is this, and it's that I didn't get the value out of the meeting I was hoping for. I expected more out of the meeting. And so as I started to watch these, and now imagine watching nearly 2,000 meetings and having this interaction, we got the privilege of starting to find out what do clients, what do customers really want and care about, and then how do we deliver that in a way that would be meaningful to them. So you got to capture their attention throughout the sales cycle. The next thing you have to do is create some excitement. I mean, how many times are you trying to find a sales pipeline? How do I create some excitement here? And we do that with what we call a movie trailer. How do you capture attention, create interest, and get a good call to action? I think what's fun in the book is we took real-time experiences and brought them together to show the dynamics between 
what we found to be average, like those 1700 meetings, what do you typically see? And then what do you see when you nail it, just crush it with your customer? And so that movie trailer metaphor is used to, with some examples to help people really do a brilliant job here. Again, imagine having some of the best salespeople in the world, and they're all good at what they do, and some of them great. But how do you bring that about so that even they can be spot on and just make this work? The third, the third skill out there is to how do you build confidence and credibility? And this really comes from your past experience. You know, how do you, people all the time will say, where have you done this before? Can you give me an example? Well, how, how does this work? And your ability to share your past experiences in a very simple way, um, again, tight and concise, can make all the difference in the world. So if you just think about those first three, how do you capture attention? How do you create excitement? How do you build credibility? Those three are uh, built and, and put together for some of the top salespeople in the world so that they can just nail it no matter where they are in the sales cycle. Yeah, so capturing attention is super important. I talk about how there's some overlap with sales and marketing and both. Mm -hmm. The very first thing is you need attention. If, uh, if you don't have people's eyes and ears, then they're not going to pay attention to anything you have to say. Yeah. And then um, if they're not excited for that, well, then who cares? I'm like, yeah, you can talk all you want. I'll sit here and I'll pretend to listen for a little while. But yeah, sure. Um, and then building confidence. Uh, I actually had a question about so it in skill number three, it is build confidence with flashbacks and flash forwards. Could you talk about yes. flashbacks and flash forwards? Absolutely. So the flashback is that past experience. So where have you done it? What have you done before? A flash forward does the same thing, but it's moving towards the future. So once you have some credibility and people are feeling good about what's happening, it's very common for them to say, so what would this look like for me? How, how would that play out? What's the timeline? What kind of value can I get out of this? And our ability to flash forward uh, where taking their issues, their situation, using your products and services, what would that look like for them? And what would be some of the expectations they would have or achieve by being able to move forward? So flashbacks really are what's your past experience flash forward would be. All right, now give me a vision of what that would look like in the future. Okay. Um, and then I actually meant to talk about this before we dived into the individual skills. Can you talk about your uh, house analogy deal? With oh, absolutely. Skills? One of the things that we've found uh, is this is especially good for those who have a little longer sales cycle or sell in a team or um, have a little more of a complex sell. We use a message house and the message house basically is just what it sounds like. Um, it, it starts with your roof line up here. What's your main message, your billboard? moves down into your movie trailer around what are the two or three big takeaways that you need to bring. And then if you think about the walls or the supporting structure of a roof, that would be your flashbacks and flash forwards. What's your past experience? What's your future look like? So that you can build this structure. And then it's built upon how are you different um, with a model that we've used, something that we call RDM, relevant, distinct, and memorable. 
so that you can stand out. And so what you're looking for is you want your house to become their house. Uh, and you design it together, you get, you get feedback from the customer, and then you can put together your proposal. The reason we like the message house uh, metaphor is we need everyone on the same message. Anytime they meet with the customer, it has to be the same message. We want others to be able to share that so that it can be convincing. Okay. Um, and then you touched on it, the RDM, relevant, uh, distinct, and memorable. Why is it really important to be relevant to your clients? Well, let's take a look at this. If you, if you wanted to uh, kind of capture some attention here and why strikingly different is so important, um, we've had the privilege, in addition to the uh, nearly 2,000 meetings, we've had the uh, opportunity with Primary Intelligence, one of the biggest win-loss uh, organizations, consulting organizations, and we have studied together with them 14,500 B2B decision-making bodies and finding out how did they make their choice of who to choose. And what's crazy is over 42% of the time, buyers could not tell the difference between vendors. Have you thought about that? I mean, in today's marketplace, it's nearly impossible to stand apart or to stand apart very well. And here's the key, people make decisions based on differences, not similarities. So our ability to stand out is super critical. Have our products stand out, have our services stand out, have us as salespeople stand out. Well, here's the challenge that you have. With everything looking and sounding the same, how do you do that? Well, here's the key. It actually doesn't matter, Nathan, how different you are unless the difference actually matters to your customer. So relevance is so important. What matters the most to them? What are their goals? What are their issues? You know, the principle is this, diagnose before you prescribe. So that works in medicine. It works as, you know, if you have an attorney, but it also works in selling. People don't care what you have until they know if you care about them. I mean, think about how many buying situations we're all in where the person selling never asks you a single question, never really engages you. Uh, and so being able to be relevant and then being able to show how they will be different and better, distinct, different and better, and make that memorable for them, that makes all the difference in your ability to win. And that kind of touches on skill number five, but before we go that, let's talk about skill number four, which yeah. is become essential uh, with why us differentiators. Right. One of the things that's really tough for people is, well, okay, so you're different. How so? You know, what a lot of people get lost in is they try to be different than their competitors. And sometimes people wanna know the difference between what you do and what they do and how that compares. Um, but really the difference that matters most to customers, to buyers, is how will they be different? How will they be different and better using your product and service? What has to happen here to make that take place? So that's why we call it be essential. You want them to think, Wow, without your product, without your service, without you, I'm not going to be as good as I need to be. I'm not, my goals aren't going to be achieved. I'm not going to get the benefits I need. So how do I create that? 
Well, it all starts with this idea of being relevant and distinct and then being able to show how they'll be different and better. So that's the essence of it. And so that, that circles us back into that fifth skill, which is this. None of this works unless you're talking to a client. And uh, so often in, you know, in today's world, you often have to come to them with at least a short proposition, some thought leadership, a point of view, a perspective. You, you've got to come prepared. So that's why you've got to have a billboard and a, a movie trailer, something very tight that you can share with people. But you don't want to go too long. I mean, most people might give you 30 seconds, 90, 60 seconds, and then they're going to say, all right, well, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. And our ability to ask great questions, our ability to listen well, and then bring those together and close the gaps. So anything that we do can only become better by being able to dialogue with our clients. And what's really cool is you share a billboard, you share a movie trailer, even your flashback, and a, and a client will respond usually quite quickly. This is work that would be true for me. That might be relevant for me. I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure about that. And it gives us an opportunity to take that and then to be able to work on it. What if I said this to you, Nathan, that an objection, a concern, a pushback that a client or a customer gives you is, if it's verbalized, is actually a buying signal? That is useful information. <laughs> you see, most of us fear them. Most of us do anything we can so they don't come up. I disagree. My experience after watching thousands of meetings is that we want those to come up. If they exist in their mind, in their heart, if they're feeling it, I need to know it. There's no way to close that. There's no way to help them if I don't know what they are. And so I want to encourage that. And if someone gives you an objection or a pushback, what they're saying is, I like what you're saying. This is making sense to me. But what about this? Or what about that? How do I, they're thinking, how do I close that to make it comfortable for me? And so I can make a confident decision. And so we want to navigate. We want to navigate the traffic lights of an opportunity, of a product, of a service. We want to be able to see those and have them come forth. So I, would, I do want to differentiate. I do want to have great dialogue, but I want to be able to understand when we get towards the end, what's still missing for you, what's working or not, so that we can enable a good decision. Yeah, because if you don't know what their concern is, you can't really do much to resolve it. In fact, I mean, think about how many times as whether you're selling a product or service or you're just trying to influence a decision, think how many times everything just goes crickets, silent, nothing's happening. It's because they have yellow lights, traffic lights that are still not resolved. Therefore, they're not choosing. They're not acting. There's nothing worse than inactivity. And so we oftentimes push, push, push as salespeople when in reality, you might need to push a little, but I wanna draw it out to find out what's still missing for you in order to make a good decision. I'd rather have a no decision than a maybe any day, any day. So I'd much rather push for that because I'm more likely to get a yes. Yeah, and that's skill number six, navigating traffic lights. That's exactly right. So we want to we want to be able to capture attention. We want to be able to create excitement. We want to build credibility. 
We want the ability to differentiate. We want to be able to engage the client so that we can understand what's going to work, what's not, so that we can address those concerns so that you can stand out and sell more. Okay, well, thank you, Scott, for uh, the interview for today. And guys, go check out his book. Uh, the link should be down below. And hopefully you learned something valuable and we'll be talking more about sales uh, in just we'll be talking more about sales in future episodes. So go check that out as well. Uh, again, thank you, Scott, and I will see you all next week.